0: Addressing one of the top safety challenges for small flight operations. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan, brought to you by Varyon, formerly ATP. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for the very latest business aviation news and information. One of the most common safety concerns facing business aviation is the risk of departing the end or side of the runway surface. In fact, runway excursions comprise as much as one-third of all accidents involving business aircraft, making them the single most common safety incident across our industry. And smaller flight operations, in particular, appear particularly susceptible. To delve into this issue, I'm pleased to welcome back our panelists from our earlier episode that addressed leadership in small flight operations. David Keyes is vice chair of NBAA's Domestic Operations Committee and chief pilot for Peace River Citrus Products. And Joe Samudofsky serves as co-chair of the NBAA Small Flight Department subcommittee. And, Joe, I think this discussion ties into that earlier conversation because leadership and professionalism certainly drive safety across our industry. To start us off, what factors can lead to a runway excursion?
1: I think there's a couple of factors. Unstabilized approaches is a big one, along with get their itis, as we know it, and planned continuation bias, you know, continuing on with an approach or continuing to a point of arrival that. Despite all the signals telling us it's not a good idea to continue, we continue anyway. And I think both of these stem from a general lack of planning and preparation. And I think that that's an area that small operators, that there is definitely room for improvement that includes all of us. You know, we've all had situations that we've learned from. And if we take a step back, we can point to times where we could have done better. But the idea is to take from that and learn from it. And there's lots of tools and resources out there for us to use to help mitigate these risks of runway excursions.
2: Our side of the industry is experiencing, on average, one runway excursion a week over the last couple of years. So it is definitely probably our largest safety challenge for Once again, small operators. If you look at the operators that are having the excursions, it's typically small flight department, part 91, the 91Ks and the 135 folks aren't experiencing it nearly as much as just the straight 91 because they have the safety mechanisms in place. I think one of the biggest keys to runway excursions is the lack of knowledge on runway performance. I just went through recurrent and we spent zero time on performance so the a pilot is not receiving adequate training in what data goes into creating the right runway length number. And so different approaches are trying to be taken to start educating pilots on, you know, what are you factoring? What is the data telling you when you put it in the FMS? what's that number really telling you when you go into the charts how many pilots go into the charts when they're flying probably none and you've got a wet runway with a with a little bit of a tailwind and you know what should your runway length actually be so i think it's an education issue that, that we need to address within our industry and then i think it is the professionalism issue i think it's it's a matter of the approach like well we've always just done this before so it'll we'll do it again and the conditions change a little bit and you find yourself approaching the end of the runway still doing 60 knots so i think it's a both and and i you know if you're going to be a professional you should take the time to learn about the performance of your airplane but we seem as a as an industry we don't put a lot of priority on it or there's a lot of confusion which is even more if you ever want to have a uh, an interesting discussion in a in a crew lounge bring up second segment climb or takeoff performance and, and you'll have as many different pilots there are different opinions on what that is so i think as an industry we need to come together and, and look at runway performance and, and how to determine the best practices
0: we'll be back in just a moment after this word from our sponsor
3: take your aviation operations to new heights introducing Varion, formerly known as atp your ultimate partner in achieving maximum aircraft uptime. At Varyon, we understand the challenges faced by everyone in aviation. Our industry-leading technology solutions revolutionize aircraft management, so there's no more waiting, no more wondering, and no more wasted effort. Get real-time visibility of your maintenance, inventory, operations, and regulatory data right at your fingertips with an easy-to-use system, backed by a team of experts with deep aviation knowledge offering 24-7, 365 support. After 50 years in the business, we have built a growing reputation for getting our customers more aircraft uptime. That's why thousands of aircraft operators worldwide have already discovered the power of Varyon. Say goodbye to downtime and hello to increased efficiency and profitability. Visit Varyon.com to learn more. Varyon, let's get you more uptime.
0: We're back now with Joe Samidovsky and David Keys, and our discussion about preventing runway excursions in small flight departments. David, continuing with your comments from before the break, you mentioned that we see a higher number of runway excursions in Part 91 ops than we do in fractional or 135 operations. Why do you think that is?
2: Number one is that they have a, a regulatory requirement to have a longer runway. So they, they, depending on their operation, 20% or or 40%. So when they run their runway numbers, they, they have a built-in safety margin. That we're not required to have as a Part 91 operator, so that in and of itself will help the the charter and the 91K guys and gals have a safer runway landing performance. So most of it's regulatory. Then I think they're also both the 135, 91K seem well the 135 required, the 91K also do more training. They have check airmen. They have people that ride along every year or six months and check the captains. They have more training requirements in the simulator. So they're they're getting more oversight than, you know, if it's a two person part 91 flight department. We have no oversight. It's just the two pilots. So it's a on us to look at what the performance is. Are we doing it right? Are we, are we the number that's coming out of the box? Is that the number that's really true? or are we making the numbers fit the runway, which I've seen so many times, like, okay, we have a 5,000 foot runway. Oh, the box says, if I put in a 1.67 factor, we need 7,000, well, I'll just make it 1.1. Oh, now we only need 5,000. Okay, let's go. So there's, there's a lot of confusion on the Part 91 side and lack of regulatory
0: requirements. Joe, what are your thoughts?
1: I do agree with everything Dave said. It certainly is regulatory and also compared to larger operators, small Part 91 flight departments just don't have the checks and balances that the larger operators do with a dedicated safety department, possibly a second pair of eyes with dispatchers that are doing releases for for each flight and well-developed and continually improving SOPs. That being said, it just becomes more important for the small flight departments and pilots, as Dave said, to, to educate ourselves up on, on what the requirements are and using tools available to us to make sure we are meeting the performance requirements and utilizing airports that have enough runway for our airplane.
0: So how do we mitigate that risk, Joe?
1: One of the first steps is to realize that we can't control every single risk. We can mitigate the risk before each flight to as you know, low as possible. But if we understand that on any given flight, there can be risks that pop up that we just can't control or maybe not be accounted for prior to departing. Once we realize that, I think that sort of forces us to take an attitude of having a backup plan having more options, Uh, more options give us plenty more room to work with when the weather starts deteriorating at our destination so that we're not forced with continuing to, to land when the performance of the aircraft says otherwise. I think that goes back to planning and preparation. And then also another thing is discipline. Discipline in maintaining a stabilized approach or implementing stabilized approach criteria and sticking to it. We had a great discussion at one of our recent small flight department subcommittee calls. And one of the members brought up that in a lot of people that he flies with, this was somebody involved in the training segment, that a lot of pilots don't brief a go-around. And, you know, what the procedures are and and what it's going to sound and look like. And I think that's a very important point because if we brief doing a go-around, we're sort of spring-loaded to be able to do it so that it's not a surprise if suddenly we have to go around. If it, it's maybe not even performance or related to the condition of the runway, it could just be something as simple as there's a broken aircraft on the runway or something like that. And, and then again, that also goes back to just planning, planning and preparation.
2: I think an easy fix for the Part 91 arena is add 15%. Get your runway numbers and add 15%. We would prevent probably most of the runway excursions if they had just done that. So I think that that's an easy fix when you look at all the numbers and run the data, add 15% to the number you come up with. And if you can land in that, then go for it. And if you can't, then really ask the question, what can we mitigate? What, is there a, a way we can make Can we land into the wind? The runway's wet. Do, do we change our configuration. What can we do? Or we, then we make the decision, maybe we need to not land there, given what kind of airplane you're flying. Some airplanes have better braking systems than others. And, and so you, you, if you're in one of those that doesn't brake so well, it doesn't have reversers, then maybe you think, okay, but we're not going to land there this time. But I think the 15% is a really easy first step for operators.
0: What guidance is out there to help small operators avoid runway excursions, Dave? What steps can they take?
2: Stabilized approach criteria. Come up with it within your department. Talk it over with your other pilot. What are our stabilized approach criteria? And we're moving away from the 1,500 mark in the industry. We're getting it a little closer to the runway because typically we find we have the I can save it attitude if I'm not stabilized on those gates. And once we pass that gate, our mental process is... Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go around because, uh, I can save it. So, but if you lower the, the gate, say to 200 feet, and if you're not stabilized at 200 feet and that's pick it, uh, that is your number, then, then go around, but abandon the approach and come back and shoot it again. That and adding 15% would, would probably resolve 90% of the runway excursions
1: this discussion is is really timely. The FAA just published a revised uh, advisory circular that's uh, 91-79B, which covers aircraft landing performance and runway excursion mitigation. This is a revision to the previous version of the advisory circular that was published back in 2014. But in the new revision, there's an emphasis on doing time of arrival landing distance assessments, which is basically doing exactly what Dave suggested, and which is adding 15%. And that's to, if we get to the arrival airport with multiple runways, and we're going to be landing on a runway that we didn't think we would be landing on, or potentially having to go to an alternate doing an en route landing assessment for that uh, arrival airport, or we get to the runway and we planned that it was going to be a a dry runway when we when we got there but you know a rain shower moved through it's now wet so if we're landing at a runway that we didn't plan to or the condition has changed other than what we had originally planned for add 15%. That's a a safety buffer and the advisory circular also talks about aircraft performance considerations and also offers information to develop SOPs to mitigate landing risks. And so I really think that that advisory circular is Should be required reading for really flight departments of any size, but especially for small Part 91 flight departments.
0: Dave, I understand the Domestic Operations Committee will soon be publishing guidance on preventing runway excursions as well.
2: Yeah, it's in review with a bunch of different committees and people, but a a runway excursion document that's going to give some tangible things you can do and concept. We hope to have that published in the next month or so. The other thing I'll tell you just quickly, uh, Rob, is. With the advent of more economical flight data monitoring systems becoming available, small departments should consider adding that to their safety mix. I mean, they could do it in a way that it doesn't have to get reported to a bigger entity or it's just in-house data that shows them how they're doing and provides a kind of a third party eye, if you would say, you know, what kind of approaches are you doing? Or Is the airplane stabilized? Are you having any difficulty in that type of thing? Prior, that, that was fairly costly, but I think the, the cost of that is coming down and there are options. So I would encourage small departments to look into flight data monitoring. Once again, if there's a fear of reporting it to a, a larger entity, we'll just do it in-house. Just have it report to you and you don't have to share the data.
0: Great point, David. Joe, what else would you like to add?
1: Well, much like in our discussion about leadership, getting involved is just another great way to figure out what other flight departments are doing. You know, there's a lot of variety in the way small flight departments operate and their overall missions, but it's a great way to see what others are doing and being able to take bits and pieces of of all these other different operators out there and incorporate it into your own department and making it work for your own way.
0: Be on the lookout for that document from the DOC that Dave mentioned. And NBAA's Safety Committee has also done extensive work on this subject with a variety of resources available to help operations of all sizes to prevent runway excursions and increase the safety of ground operations. Be sure to check them out at nbaa.org forward slash runway excursions. On Monday, October 16th, just before the start of NBAA's Business Aviation Convention and Exhibition in Las Vegas, Nevada, the Small Operator Symposium will also examine runway excursions and other safety considerations for small operators. Learn more about that event at nbaa.org forward slash base, that's B-A-C-E. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from NBAA.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. We're all sending out a 3500. Right,
2: we got him inside. We're on back to